Hey, how are you doing? Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available for Monday, the 27th of November, with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, episode 192. I hope you're all well, keeping on doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going. I'm raring to go tonight. The heating from the new boiler has just kicked in. I think. Or I like to think if there is someone in this city that deserves heating, it is me. I've done my time with the storage heating. I've felt the heating disappear from my many flats by midday. I deserve the boiler. I deserve this heating. This is a nice moment for me. What a week last week was. Anecdotes tailing off badly for a start. The problem with hot desking is... As I've said, it's a real lucky dip. You have no idea who you're going to be sitting next to from one day to the next. You'll know where I've sat the previous day because I leave a clean desk, wet wiped when I arrive, wet wiped when I leave. I don't want anyone saying the following morning when they've sat at a desk that I was at the day before. I don't want them saying that lowly, poorly dressed guy leaves a messy desk. There is no one that can say that about me. They might be able to say, why is the clock on the PC covered? What's this post-it note business on the clock? That's me. I put my hands up to that, but I do leave a clean desk. I've always done that with the clocks. I think I've mentioned it on this run of shows. I just cannot be with a man and know what time it is. I, I cannot function like that. The hot desk in the problem with hot desking, the big problem. Obviously, there's the good side to hot desking is coming up this Christmas. People are not going to be able to lay out their Christmas cards, as I said a few shows back, on their desks because no one has a regular desk. That's a good thing. But the big problem with hot desking is you never know who's heard your narrow range of anecdotes. I'm going to have to start keeping a spreadsheet, I think. On Thursday afternoon, 13.41 hours, I was midway through an anecdote with a colleague when we were interrupted. And the big disappointment for me was that afterwards, I wasn't prompted by my colleague to resume the anecdote. If your anecdote's been paused, if you've had to park your anecdote for whatever reason, you want the prompt. The prompts would be nice. After the interruption was over, I was pretending that I myself had forgotten I was midway through an anecdote I've told many times and which I can't be sure this colleague hadn't heard before. And I was waiting for the prompt. The prompt never came. Had there been a prompt, I would have asked the prompter to remind me where I was in my story. This guy, though, he had absolutely no curiosity whatsoever in my completing the anecdote. He wasn't going to give me the opportunity. At the very least, even if it's an underwhelming anecdote, allow the teller to complete it. Poor, real poor, I thought. My concern is that the recipient was also pretending to have forgotten that I was deep into an anecdote. Were they dreading my completing the anecdote? Were they secretly relieved at the interruption? And uh, the incident took me back to the start of my time with the man earlier this year, back in the spring... I was called into a meeting and on the way back from what had been a positive meeting, I was in the midst of another anecdote, which I've probably since told at least a dozen times. There are probably a number of colleagues who know that anecdote. Maybe they get together and it's become apparent to them that they've all heard the same anecdote from me. Anyway, the first time I told this anecdote, we were making our way back and uh, I was midway through the anecdote. 
In fact, I'd say that I was coming towards the end of the anecdote and uh, we got interrupted again. But my colleague sensed my discomfort at the interruption. And even though I don't think they were interested in the anecdote, they prompted me to complete it. And I wasn't able to complete it brilliantly. The interruption had definitely affected the flow of the anecdote, but at least they allowed me to complete the anecdote. That was a a nice gesture, I think. Episode 192, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, is available. Sweating the small stuff to a tiny audience, Mondays and Thursdays, because the small stuff does matter. From next week, the show moves into its uh, Christmas countdown mode, which I don't mind. I like the anticipation, as regular listeners will know. What I don't like is uh, Christmas with the man. This is something I've managed to but avoid for years, not this year. And uh, that's already causing me significant problems. I've hopefully managed to extricate myself from the Christmas do in my department. I've just done that today. In addition to that, though, while I won that first battle, there was the following horrific email which was sent to everyone, not just uh, my department. Let me see how much of this email I can read to you. Hey folks, are you feeling the chill of December evenings fast approaching? Had to turn the heating on for the first time this year? Or maybe you're digging out those jumpers ready to layer up over the festive period. What better way to warm yourself up than with the blah blah blah. And uh, this year it's a tropical Christmas party, apparently. And uh, it goes on to say, that's right, we're having a tropical theme this year. Here's all the info you need to know. Let me run through this. Uh, It's about 10 days uh, before Christmas Eve. It kicks off after the man finishes. Festive cocktail on arrival. A quiz. Carols around uh, the piano. And um, the actual festive party at the... Man's building ends at nine, scheduled to end at nine, but then uh, it's uh, got the option, or giving people the option to head over to a bar in Soho where there is an area reserved. And of course, you have to uh, leave another deposit for anyone wishing to attend. Please also let us know if you have any dietary uh, requirements. Secret Santa. What can you say about Secret Santa? Why do people still do this? It says this is optional and we're setting an £8 limit. Look, that's enough of that. That's enough of that. Thankfully, I don't have to respond to this one. Moving on, you may want to visit uh, DanielRuizTizen.com for some latest news. Uh, Just uh, type in DanielRuizTizen.com forward slash latest news. Scroll down for news of something that, well, barring a Christmas miracle, is uh, unlikely to happen. But uh, it was worth having a a stab at making this happen. It was posted on Wednesday, the 22nd of November. Of course, you'll also have another chance or perhaps a first opportunity if you're a new listener to this show uh, to hear my daily Advent Calendar podcast. Daniel Ruiz Tyson's Advent Calendar that starts on Friday, the 1st of December, runs every day until Christmas Eve. I was never interested in Christmas Day. I make that clear. Uh, I think from the opening episode, it's all about the anticipation for me. 
I'm all about the anticipation. The show was recorded in 2014. It was about my efforts to rediscover the love I had for Christmas in the early part of my life because it was a massive thing for me. And I made a real effort with this show to try and think back to just how excited I was every Christmas. And uh, the show is on wholefastnetwork.com and iTunes. Links will be up on my Twitter every morning at 1607 West Egg and at facebook.com forward slash Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available in the evenings. And I'll share more details on the series on upcoming episodes of Available. I feel very run down this, uh, this month. These, uh, these twice-a-week podcasts don't help. Basically, I only have Monday and Thursday nights off from this show. Sunday nights are lost to the uploading. That takes about an hour. It's a slog, basically. It always is. And it's not just about this show. If there are other podcasts that you enjoy, small independent podcasts, do, do offer them your support. Do give them those iTunes reviews that are critical to shows surviving because there is so much work involved at this level in putting these shows together. I've been reading, as I always do on my commute, it does help me forget the stress of the man who really does keep me awake at night. My current library book, I'm very engage with that but there are considerable stains on the pages which i i don't understand who eats while reading books that have been handled by strangers what's more who turns the pages of a book by handling the center of the pages normally you turn the pages of a book at the bottom corners perhaps you handle the center edge of the page but who has their hands their mucky hands at that on the middle of the pages And if your hands are mucky from eating something, I mean, I can only assume your hands are mucky if you're eating with your hands. And there are certain foods that lend themselves to eating with your hands. I don't have an issue with that. But you factor in a library book. I mean, there's no other reason for the pages of a book to be stained. I don't see how if you were eating with cutlery, you were going to get consistent stains throughout a book. I just don't understand this. I just don't understand this. You're listening to Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available sweating the small stuff because the small stuff does matter. Episode 192. Ways to support the show. You can do all your Amazon shopping by clicking on the Amazon referral link at DanielRuizTyson.com. Amazon recognizes you've gone to them via the referral link on my site and kicks back a small percentage of whatever you purchase back to my work at no extra cost to you. You'll be doing your Christmas shopping soon. This is the biggest opportunity of the year for the website to uh, start paying for itself for the first time in a while. Further ways to support the show, as I said a few uh, minutes ago, you can rate and review the podcast on iTunes. That is a massive help. Reviews, not just ratings, but a review. That makes a difference. And if you're not subscribing, click that subscribe button. Again, that does make a difference. iTunes works in a very peculiar fashion and perhaps too you might even consider making a secure donation to the podcast by the paypal link at danielruiztyson.com the uh, big hygiene fail of today's episode uh, we haven't had one i think for a few episodes and uh, for episode 192 the hygiene fail definitely belongs to the man friday 24th of november 0953 hours a young guy had cycled in 
He'd put his helmet on the floor as he made uh, minimal wardrobe changes while sat at his desk. I think he was enjoying getting changed in front of everyone. He really did drag that out. Changed from his trainers to his shoes. As he did, he had the helmet on the floor, the, uh, the cycling helmet. The outer shell of the helmet was face down on the carpet, which is fine, I suppose. But here is where it gets really nasty. Removing his trainers, the young man put them inside the helmet, soul side down. The horror. I mean, am I alone with the hygiene? Let's break this down here. Let's look at what's just happened here. It's near impossible. Impossible, certainly, if you're commuting from my home borough, Lambeth. I mean, you can't walk through any street in Lambeth without stepping on a paving stone that historically has been hit by either dog muck, saliva or discarded chicken bones. There is just not a single paving stone in Lambeth that doesn't have that traumatic history. And, uh, you know, London isn't the cleanest city. We have a real problem with uh, dogs in this city. So wherever this guy was commuting from, he's taken those trainers, he's stuck them inside his helmet. Well done, because you have basically put dog on your hair. You know, you're going to go to bed, maybe without washing your hair. You're laying that hair on your pillow. And most men will sleep face down on their pillows. And uh, something I covered many shows ago, men age in a different way to uh, women because of how we sleep. We tend to sleep face down in our pillows. Next time you're watching something on television and say there's a middle-aged guy on there, have a look. There will be a diagonal line running across one of the temples, and that is a man that sleeps face down. Pillows age you. It's a well-known uh, scientific fact. I myself have that line now. I've been sleeping face down uh, since the summer of 95. It doesn't bother me. You know, I can barely sleep. I'm not going to change the way I sleep to avoid that crease on my forehead. So, um, massive hygiene fail. All hygiene fails are big. This is a massive one. I'll tell you something I welcome about these dark winter nights. You can walk through this city as you leave the man and uh, you can pull out a packet of budget German supermarket biscuits and no one can see what you're eating. Indoors, of course, it's a different story. Friday, I'd snuck a 38p pack of little shortbreads out with me on my lunch break and uh, took to the uh, back streets of Westminster so I uh, didn't have to offer any to colleagues, which is uh, reminiscent of 2010 sandwich routes, which was a feature I used to do before making my first ever podcast when I was uh, experimenting with audio, learning how to edit audio. And uh, because I've always felt self-conscious about eating in front of colleagues, I used to uh, get a sandwich, a reduced to clear sandwich after leaving the office. And I used to walk around the back streets recording, talking about what I was eating, talking about how I was feeling that particular day, that particular moment. So it's a little like that. Now, granted, to leave the man so I could have a, a budget supermarket biscuit is or seems to be extremely frugal but if you start offering where do you stop 
How many banks of desks do you have to visit with your budget biscuits, offering them out to people, many of whom might still be living at home rent-free and can afford to buy five Sainsbury's cookies, which uh, in the biscuit world, I would say that cookies is the equivalent of English people, British people saying season instead of series. I'm not comfortable using the word cookies. So uh, let's say five Sainsbury's biscuits, large biscuits for £1.50. You see a lot of that in the nine-to-five world. People who don't need to worry about waiting for offers on soft-baked biscuits. Those are the kind of people that will pay £1.50 for five large biscuits. And also, since the relocation, since the man-move building, there is no spot now at which you can position, say, cakes... Obviously, I've said before, I, I'm not a not a cake fan. I, I do like a pastry. I don't eat cakes. But, you know, at the old building, people would position cakes and uh, snacks. Now, since the move, there's nowhere. So what you see often is colleagues going around offering, directly offering a snack or a biscuit or whatever. Or, you know, leaving something on their desk. Now, I'm not having colleagues visiting my desk to take a cheap biscuit like I'm some god that emerged out of the Great Recession. I'm a low-key guy. That's not going to work. You see these people coming into the building with three-pound coffees or six-pound boxes of wanky street food at lunchtime from the local market. The 38p biscuit is not going to make their day. They can afford to miss the biscuit. One day last week, actually, the effort to eat the biscuit on the move on the streets of SW1 saw me forget my hand gel. I didn't take my hand gel with me when I left the building, and I was forced to uh, push the shortbread through the wrapper to uh, avoid handling it. Not the easiest way to consume a biscuit. So uh, Christmas fast approaching now. This time last year, I'd already sorted out a Christmas reading list of books to read in the run-up to Christmas. I bought a bunch of books, and uh, by the uh, 10th of December, I'd already read four of them. I haven't even put a Christmas list together this year, which is uh, a little disappointing. And this was something I started doing back in 2014 when I made the Advent calendar, because I wanted to really feel my way back into Christmas And I think uh, reading Christmas books is a big part of that for me. Maybe you're reading something in the run-up to Christmas this year. I sense you're pitching for some correspondence, David. Get in touch at 1607westegg, DRT available at westegg1607.co.uk. And, uh, you know, maybe share the book with one of the uh, tiniest podcasting audiences out there. A brief visit to the cafe now before I leave you to enjoy uh, those podcasts they rave about in The Guardian. The Nigel Havers waiter has grown a rather impressive dark beard. Interesting that Seb Kay, London's finest coffee maker, has counted with his own beard for the first time since he started in the cafe in 2005 at the dawn of what was the cafe's silver age. Actually, while I was off air... The uh, six months uh, between April and October of this year, one Saturday morning, Seb Kay and I got into a lengthy chat and uh, I recall Seb Kay dropping into the conversation, actually, you're a bit older than me, which I thought was a little unnecessary. Um, I don't think there were any bad intentions on his part, but it's just something I'm hearing more of nowadays and it's something I find difficult about this age. Well, it's one more thing I find difficult about this age. There's no grey in Seb Kay's beard, so uh, he is certainly younger than me. Havers' own beard, though, is uh, impressive, and uh, I think it buys him a little time on the bouffant, actually. 
if anything, it adds to the bouffant. I think if he shaves, the bouffant is a bouffant. It's a, you know, the bouffant. You've got to cut the bouffant. This guy makes the bouffant work with the beard. I also have a, a bouffant now. I think I'm about a week away from a full-blown bouffant again, probably about my seventh this year. But uh, I'm looking at uh, maybe getting another haircut uh, this Friday evening at the uh, Cutting Cruise. I noted that Nigel Havers has very curious arm hair coverage. Her suit, not overly, bearing in mind that he's Mediterranean. But interestingly, on each of the forearms, there's a massive patch of hair. I'd say an inch and a half to two inches long that is thicker than elsewhere. It looks like a filled in crop circle. It's not unusual to get that kind of hair effect on the underside of the arms because you rest your arms, say, on a desk and uh, the underside arm hair gets brushed into position constantly. But on the forearms, I'd say that is unusual. Meantime, Saturday 25th of November, 11, 14 hours, I pondered a handshake with early Jim Rosenthal, the smirker of SW8, but early Jim uh, never saw me. I thought that was a missed opportunity for us to establish the handshake was now our regular greeting after a year of fingers to the temple greetings and taps on the back of each other's shoulders. The shoulder tap I led on that, that was me. I think I uh, said back in the spring initially I wasn't very comfortable with that. It was just instinctive, but uh, on the same day I think he responded with his own shoulder tap on the way back to the loo. The fingers to the temple salute, I can't claim credit for that. That's his thing. And he does it very well. I'm just keen to grasp the handshake opportunity when it next arises. And that is it. That is today's show. I hope you guys enjoy your start of the week and do what you do well. You can only do your best. Just think of me at this point now after I sign off and you turn this podcast off. You're not even bothering to listen to the exit tune, which is fine. I understand that. You've heard that plenty of times. But from this point onwards, I still have a couple of hours work on this, editing this show two hours from this point shoulders back people keep on walking towards the sun i'm back on thursday as we say goodbye to november i'm daniel ruiz tyson and today i have been available 